Welcome, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me. This is A Deeper Conversation, a podcast for Jewish women. If you'd like to reach me, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to me via email at adeeperconversation120 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And now let's get on with the episode, which originally when I had sort of planned it out, I thought, okay, I'm going to tackle the th- next three brachos and birchos hashachar together. We have the negative brachos, I guess we could say, for lack of a better word, which is shalom asani gai. Thank you, Hashem, for not making me a non-Jew. Then we have shalom asani avid for not making me a slave, and shalom asani isha for not making me a woman, or the woman's version of that, shasani kirtono, for creating me according to his will. So I thought maybe I could tackle all those three in one podcast, but that is not the case. So we're going to go one by one, but the theme across all of them is going to be that negative language that I want to kind of keep coming back to, because I think that's the thing that really pops out at most people when they take a look at the sitter and they see these brachos in the morning, brachos hashachar, is the negative language. So we have the first of the brachos, which is baruch Hashem elokeinu melech olam asanigai. So um, Hashem is the source of blessing, king of the world. Um, and we thank Hashem for not making me a Gentile, for not making me a non-Jew. So there's no question that these brachos are negative, And that's obviously the first thing that we need to address. And like I said, I am going to kind of carry this through um, throughout these three brachos. And I'd certainly love to hear your thoughts um, as you listen to this or as you think about this on your own about why that is the appropriate language for this bracha. A long time ago, I was teaching in a school that was a community school. So it wasn't an Orthodox school. In fact, I believe I was the only Orthodox staff member there. Um, And I was teaching sixth grade, um, sixth and seventh grade, but I I would run um, sixth grade minion, sixth grade davening with my boss, who was a conservative rabbi. Um, So the the tradition of the school, the history of the school was that it had once been an Orthodox school. So they still had the Orthodox Sidorim. Um, I think the Shiloh Sitter was the one that they had used. Um, like in a lot of places, basically what had happened was, was that it was sort of the community school that everybody went to and it was always Orthodox. And then, you know, as it kind of went a little bit more to the left, the few families that were more religious and some, you know, the rabbi's kids, they went and started their own school. So then, they're, you know, once that happens in a community, so then you have like anybody who's more religious, more orthodox, goes to that other smaller religious school, and then this school kind of kept going more and more to the left. So like I said, when I was teaching there, I was the only orthodox teacher, and I was running this minion with my with my boss. Um, but we had these siddurim that were left over from when it was really an orthodox school. And so in the Shiloh Siddur, it had these brachos shal- written like this, Shalom Asani Gai, Shalom Asani Avet, Shalom Asani Isha, and Shasani Kirtsono, um, written. And I actually remember that I once got in trouble. I, I didn't really get in trouble, but um, I don't remember what it was in the sitter exactly, but um, one of my students asked me a question about something that was in the sitter. And I said something, well, I had pointed out something in the sitter that said men with a minion say, or something like that. And I said, well, women are accounted as part of a minion. So that's why it says that. And the next day, um, this little girl's mother came into my classroom very, very upset at me because she davened with a minion every day and she was considered to be part of the minion in her uh, in her synagogue. So um, 
you know, thankfully the school totally backed me up. This was actually an incredible school to work at. And you'll see why also when I tell you the story. So this rabbi, um, we ran Minyan every day and he, one day he came in, he had like these laminated um, sheets and he had put them into the sitter by the bracho section and he um, he had alternative brachos written out. So She'asani Yisrael, instead of Shalawasani Gai, right? Thank you, Hashem, for making me a Jew. Um, I think it was She'asani Ben Chorin or Bat Chorin for making me free as opposed to not making me a slave. And then um, I think the third one was She'asani Ke'atzmi for making me like who I am instead of Shalawasani Isha, She'asani Kirtzono. Although the truth is, I think you could really say She'asani Kirtzono and just use that one, the woman's bracha, but whatever. He had these three. And he came into me and he said, I'd like you to please teach the kids these alternative brachos instead, these positive brachos um, instead of the negative ones that we have. And I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. Um, And he said back to me, that's fine. I totally respect that you don't want to do that. So this is what we're going to do. I'll explain to them why these brachos are uh, good ideas and you're going to you can go and explain um, why saying the brachos in the negative is a good idea. Like you'll do, you know, you'll explain like sort of the orthodox point of view, I guess, and I'll explain this. And I have to just pause and say like, first of all, the incredible like menschlichkeit and also the incredible leadership skills of this rabbi who I don't really want to call out by name, even though I like, I really want to say thank you to this rabbi for that moment. Um, and also just my experience in this school and the only reason why is I don't generally like to call out people's names unless they give me permission ahead of time. But that idea that we can have a difference of opinion and com- be coming from such a different philosophical place and yet still be respectful and treat each other like people as opposed to ideas was really very powerful. And I really will remember that moment for a long time, um, forever, because it was it really taught me a lot. But, you know, like I wasn't going to teach the alternative because I do think that First of all, we don't change davening. Um, although I will say that for the first one, Shasani Yisrael, there are certain sederim, and even Reb Schwab brings this down, there are certain sederim that have that language for this bracha. Um, although he does come out and say that that's not really the appropriate language. We really should be saying Shalom Asani Gai for not making me a non-Jew. So, um, but obviously the fact that this rabbi came in with these alternative brachas and said like, hey, let's say these in a positive way is a little bit of a clue to us. I think that there is something that strikes us as being odd. Like, why are we, why are we thinking about who we are in terms of who we aren't? Pointing out sort of the negative. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not like those people. I'm so glad that Hashem didn't make me a slave as a way of recognizing my freedom. Or I'm so glad Hashem didn't make me a woman as a, uh, you know, with regards to appreciating that I'm a man, let's say. Obviously, the one Shalos and Isha is a little bit more, is no, it's not a little bit more complicated, but it has its own layers that we'll get into when we get to that bracha. But I I want to say this one thing about this idea of appreciating who you are with uh, like a sense towards the negative. And actually, I'm helped a lot by the current situation that we're in right now, because we all now really, really understand the incredible elation that a negative test result gives us. You go take a corona test, all you want to hear is, no, you are not in that category. You don't have to quarantine. You don't have to stay away from your family. You don't have to do all these things. It's negative, right? If I, if I recall correctly, I remember the president having taken a, getting a negative test and he said something about being positive that he was negative or people were making fun of it, whatever. He was trying to bumbling his way through the words. But basically what he was trying to say was that, I'm negative, and that's an incredible thing. 
And the reality is, is that sometimes the only way to really appreciate what you have is to recognize where you could have been if not for or what that would mean for you if you were like that. And it is only in recognizing the alternative and realizing that you're not part of that group that you could really appreciate what you actually have going for you and the group that you're in right now. And in this case, Shalom Asani Gai, we thank Hashem for not making me a Gentile. We recognize the fact that we appreciate the fact that we are Jewish. And what does that mean? Right? So that's what I want to really talk about for the next few minutes. This is obviously a subject that goes way beyond the scope of a 15-20 minute podcast, however long this is going to take. But I did see a really beautiful idea. I have this book um, from Rabbi Dr. Ellie Monk called The World of Prayer. I think it was written in the 1960s. Rabbi Monk was a rabbi um, from, I believe from Germany. I think this book was originally translated from the German um, from German. And I actually got this in that school that I was teaching at. It was like a little jewel. They were taking their library digital. And so they had a bunch of books that they were giving away. And I just grabbed this. And it's been so beautiful with regards, specifically with regards to tefillah. But he writes here, with regards to this bracha, Shalom Asani Gai, it has always been difficult to be a Jew. Yet even in the darkest times, our forefathers always prayed each morning, blessed be thou, O God, for not having made me a Gentile. This fact alone shows very clearly how eminently suited is such a bracha to keep alive the consciousness of the inspiration that is Judaism, even amidst persecution and assimilation. A people that has suffered so terribly, eminently suited is such a bracha to keep alive the consciousness of its higher destiny. And that really, really struck me because, you know, like now in America, it's not hard to be a Jew at all. Um... Thank God, you know, we don't really have to make choices about, you know, whether or not we're going to leave off um, Torah observance in order to get ahead. We're not worried or scared. I mean, certainly there seems to be, you know, I mean, throughout my life, I've heard, you know, the surges of anti-Semitism. It definitely is there. It's real. It happens. But as a general rule, I do think that American Jews feel fairly comfortable. But that's certainly not been the case for the last 2,000 years. In fact, we're living really in a time of an exception when, for the, you know, since the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, being a Jew has been very, very hard. And imagine the incredible power and conviction that it takes to make such a bracha every single day when not being a Jew, right? Thank you, Hashem, for not making me a, a Gentile. Sorry, being a Gentile was such an easier life, right? I remember reading um back in the 1400s when the king of poland invited the jews of western europe to come to poland so he he gave them unheard of freedoms one of which was that if there's a court case and there's a christian and a jew involved in a court case the christian is not going to automatically win the court case just because he's a christian this was one of the incredible freedoms that jews who moved to poland can be assured of Right? So you get up every morning, you're living in a world where you have zero protection. Um, uh, you know, the law is your, almost your enemy, I guess, because you can't go to court, you can't call the cops. The fact that you're a Jew means that you're automatically in the wrong. Um, but you get up every morning and you say, Shalom Asani Gai. And it brings you that awareness of what exactly it is that you have as a Jew, because really being a guy for most of the last. Um, 2,000 years was really an easier life. 
Um, so that brings me into what exactly it is that we are that we should be cognizant of when we say this bracha or when we think about this bracha. So a bunch of years ago, I spoke to um, there was a like a non-religious Jewish women's organization. They asked me to speak a few times, and um, they asked me they like they kept asking me back over and over again. So you know, I guess they liked what I had to say. But the women who came were like young women in their sort of like twenties and thirties, probably more like mid thirties. So it was a group of like, I don't know, 30 women or so. Um, and the first time they asked me to speak, I said, okay, like these aren't religious women. What am I going to speak about? So I had given them a bunch of topics. And interestingly, and maybe we'll get back to this when we talk about Shalom Asani Isha. Thank you, Hashem, for not making me a man. And we talk about more like the women's issues type of subject matter. But I had given them all these subjects like, you know, women in Judaism, you know, understanding, you know, all these kind of like sort of feministy kind of topics. They weren't really interested in that, which was really eye-opening to me. Um, but one of the topics that I gave them was understanding what it means to be the chosen people. And they said, yeah, speak about that. So I said, okay, let me tell you, I was totally not prepared for the confusion. Not even, I mean, hostility isn't the right word, but like the rejection of this concept of chosen people amongst people who are not religious. When you grow up in a religious household, you hear Amsagula, chosen people, you know, it, it isn't something that you spend that, I mean, at least for me, that I spent so much time thinking about or or worrying about it just it is what it is like this is our role in the world that we are given by Hashem like the special gift of the Torah and we have certain obligations and responsibilities because of that um, and also certain pleasures meaning a connection with Hashem on a on a certain type of level and of course the main thing is the Torah but when I was talking to these women it was such a hard concept for them like they really rejected the idea that Jews are chosen or different in any way um, I think part of it was like a little bit of guilt, like, no, we're not better than you. And of course, that's the first mistake is that people hear the word chosen and they think that that means better, which it's not what it means. Chosen doesn't mean better at all. Um, although the Ramban does say he translates the word segula, chosen, to mean treasure. So that would definitely seem to be like a good thing. But even so, it doesn't necessarily mean better than, right? Um, the Pusik says, um, that's it. Uh, the first time actually, so I'll just um, source this here. The first time that the word segula, am segula, chosen nation comes up is in right before Matan Torah, right before the giving of the Torah in Parshas Yisro, Parak Yates, Pasuk uh, Um And he's, uh, the Pasuk here says, You shall be to me chosen from amongst all the people. Again, again, the way the Ramban translates that is, is as a treasure from all the nations. Kili kol haaretz. Because for mine is the entire world. And the Ramban says that this is sort of a, a, a lesson to Jews to only worship God, as opposed to, let's say, the stars in the sky and anything else that they may find attractive. Um, and the next Pasuk is, And you will be for me a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that he spoke to Ben Israel. And then two Pesukim later, we have... Um, the entire nation responded as one and said, everything that Hashem has spoken, we shall do. Um, so we have here an expression of separateness, according to, Ramban, according to Ramban, meaning that Bnei Israel are different and they have, they're, they're sort of singled out from amongst 
B'nai Israel for a specific, from amongst the rest of the people rather, for a specific job and a specific task. But we see in the next Pasuk, well, first of all, what they're chosen for, Kadosh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So it's not just special because we're born Jewish, it's, spe- it's special because of this incredible job we have, but also what we see in the Pasuk directly after that is that this choosing goes both ways. Not only has Hashem chosen us, but even more importantly, we have chosen Hashem. We've chosen to keep the Torah. I mean, from the very beginning, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, going through to this, actually this like highlight or climax of Matan Torah, Ben Israel made a conscious choice to be chosen, choosing to be chosen, I guess, and to have that special role in this world, which by the way, I mean, I was sort of saying this like, you know, before when I was talking about Shalom Asani Gai, all these years of of galas that we've been through, being chosen has not always worked out well for us with regards to our physical safety and security. Our, special, our spiritual safety and security, yes, and we're still here to tell the tale, but it's certainly, you know, there's been a, a lot of persecution along the way because of this chosenness that we have going for us, right? So I think that if we think of if we think of that, the chosen, it's not just that Hashem created us who we are, but we have obviously chosen to be part of that group. It's a very, very powerful idea. And it's actually, it reminds me a little bit of this. Um, I had this sort of hara, this, um, you know, sort of eye-opening experience. If anybody here has been to school, to college in the last like 15, 20 years, I did a master's, uh, my master's in, psych- in psychology about 10 years ago. And one of the things that you have to do these days when you take a master's in psychology is you have to take a diversity class. So diversity, inclusion, I don't remember what it was, but you basically sit in a classroom and, you know, you learn about racism and, you know, all the different ways that people can be racist and all the different sort of small things that have happened and, you know, like different different types of injustices that have happened to different people you know, because they're born into, you know, specific race or class or whatever it is. So I'm sitting in this class. I think I was the only Jewish person in this class. And at one point I said something about how not all, you know, not all minorities are visual minority or visible minorities, right? Because they were talking about, let's say, you know, racism against um, blacks, Latinos, um, the, actually the professor of the class, I believe, was an East Indian woman. So she was talking a lot about her experiences that she had gone through. And not to minimize from any of that, obviously. I mean, chas v'shalom. But like, it really struck me when I, I made a comment at some point, because I'm sitting in this class listening to everybody talking about like these, like, you know, some people have a hard time getting a job and, you know, because of the last name that they have or whatever it is. And I, I was sitting there in this class and I'm thinking like, my children have grandparents who have numbers on their arm. You know, and like they're talking about not getting a job, but like we really have experienced things in the not so recent like past that like never even came up in this class. Nobody's even talking about it. So um, I said something like that. I said something about how like not all minorities are visible minorities. There are other people who experience things from being a, you know, what like a, a felt minority in a group that you might not necessarily recognize just because of the way they look. So I was obviously saying something about being Jewish and everybody just kind of looked up and paused and then kind of put their heads back down and went back their thing like that, you know, it wasn't really um, something that anybody really cared to pursue. But I was really thinking about it in this class because, you know, 
they were talking about things or discrimination that people go through based on how they look and how they appear. And when they looked at me, they basically saw somebody who looks white and who looks like a part of the perceived majority in the community that I was living in at the time. And it occurred to me that everything that Jews do to be different are things that we choose to do. Meaning, like, I don't, I don't look different. I mean, my husband, I guess he's wearing a yarmulke, but again, that's something that he chooses to do, right? I look like just sort of a member of the majority, right? Everything that a Jew does, keeping Shabbos, making a statement like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, you know, I can't eat, you know, at the company lunch because I keep kosher. You know, we deliver, we do these things. Hashem has given us these mitzvos that completely set us apart and separate us from society. And these are all things that we every single day make a choice about. You know, I can't work, you know, if you've, if you've worked in a non-Jewish environment, you've had to tell your boss about Shavuos, you know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody heard about Roshana, everybody hears about Yom Kippur. Sukkot is a little iffy if you have to go to your boss and say, okay, this is like holiday Sukkot, I don't know. I remember when I was like 19, I was working in a law firm and I told my boss that I couldn't work on Sukkot. And this is right after Roshana Yom Kippur. Um, and there was another Jewish guy who was working in a law firm who wore a yarmulke, so he was visibly Jewish, but he worked on the last days of Sukkot. And she's like, well, he's working. And it's like, yeah, but I, I can't. And the reason why I said Shavuos is because that's one of the holidays that's for some reason nobody knows about. Like people know about Passover, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Sukkot is a little questionable. Shavuos, nobody ever heard of. So when you go tell your boss that you can't work because it's Shavuos, they're like, you're just making stuff up now. That doesn't exist. But all the things that we do that really separate us are things that we choose to do every single day. Um, and we make that choice to be separate and to be different and to put ourselves in that category of being the people that Hashem has chosen also. So that choosing goes both ways. And I guess going back to the beginning of the bracha, Shaloh Asani Gai, recognizing the category that we're in based on the category that we're not in sometimes is an incredible way to think about it, right? I could have been in a group of people that are not chosen by Hashem. And what are the implications of that? What is that? What would that mean for me? What would my spiritual life be like? How meaningful would my life be? And I am kind of leaving this here off on a question because I really want to know from you guys your thoughts about this. Please email me your thoughts about just the idea of a negative bracha in general and what that means, if you've had any other experiences where um, thinking about something in terms of what it isn't that's made an impact on you or made you more appreciative of the situation that you're in right now. Um, if you do send me an email, because I do get some emails from some of you guys and I love to get them, but let me know if I can use your name publicly or not. Because if, if, if I get an email from somebody and it doesn't say either way. I just assume that I will not use a person's name publicly. Um, always better safe than sorry. But if you're fine with me saying, oh, I got this email from Sar Schwartz from, you know, Brooklyn or whatever, um, let me know because I always would want to give credit if I, you know, read somebody's email or mention something that somebody said that inspired me. But if you'd like to reach out and let me know your thoughts about this, um, I'd love to hear from you. It is uh, um, a deeper conversation 120 at gmail.com is my email address. Again, a deeper conversation 120 at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will meet you back here at the next episode.